Okay, good. Yeah. Okay. Good evening, new life. I mean, new. <laughs> oh, sorry. <laughs> Cut that out. <laughs> oh, goodness. Good evening, new Philly. This is how much I love new life, by the way. Okay. Good evening, new Philly. <laughs> okay, guys. <laughs> My heart is here right now. Okay. Okay. Let's open our Bibles to James chapter three. James. Chapter 3. James chapter 3, verse 1 through 12. We're going to read it together. Okay. Okay. Okay, actually, let me pray first. Okay, let's bow our heads in prayer with me. Oh, dear Heavenly Father, you shall reign forever and ever, Lord Jesus. May your kingdom come on this earth, oh, Father, Lord God. May your kingdom be established at this church in your filly, oh God. We bless your name. We bless the work that you are doing at this church, oh God. We just bless your hand. We just bless all the things about you, Lord Jesus. And Lord, I just pray, oh Lord God, that you just open up the ears of Father, um, of the people who gather here, Father, Lord God, who, who is hungry for you who is just so desperate for your words, oh, Father God. I just ask you to, Lord God, train them, prepare them, oh, Lord, as they step up into the leadership, oh, God. Uh, just teach them, oh, Lord God, this wisdom that's just buried deep in the Bible, Father, Lord God. I just ask you to open it into their hearts, into their spirit, Lord Jesus. I just come against, oh, Father God, the attacks of the enemy right now, oh, Lord God. I just bind the tongue of the enemy, the lies, the deceit, accusations, oh, Father. I just bind it tight in the name of Jesus and Jesus release your Holy Spirit and Jesus I just ask for more help for Father God I'm kind of nervous so Jesus just be with me and Lord bless this time in Jesus name we pray Amen okay if you are ready to listen to God's word tonight let me hear hallelujah okay everyone's ready okay let's read through verse 1 through 12 chapter 3 verse 1 through 12 Okay, one, two, three. Now many of you should become teachers, my brothers, for you know that we who teach will be judged with greater strictness. But we all stumble in many ways. And if anyone does not stumble in what he says, he is a perfect man, able also to bridle his whole body. If we pull bits into the mouths of the horses so that they obey us, we guide their whole bodies as well. Look at the sheep also. Though they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they are guided by a very small rudder wherever the will of the pilot directs. So also the tongue is a small member, yet it boasts of great things. How great a forest is set ablaze by such a small fire. And the tongue is a fire, a word of unrighteousness. The tongue is set among our members, staining the whole body, setting on fire the entire course of life, and set on fire by hell. For every kind of beast and bird, reptile and sea creature can be tamed and has been tamed by mankind. But no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. With it, we bless our Lord and Father, and with it, we curse people who are made in the likeness of God. 
From the same mouth come blessings and cursing. My brothers, these things ought not to be so. Does a spring pour forth more the same opening, both fresh and salt water? Can a fig tree, my brothers, bear olives or a grapevine produce figs? Neither can a salt pond yield fresh water. Amen. When God made us, when he created us, he put this small multifunctional organ, tongue, in our mouth. So we can lick the ice cream, yummy, and taste the flavor and stick it when it's needed, like metal, you know, metal, and speak words. And even though all these functions are so important, I want to talk about the most powerful one among all of these, speaking words. Aside from tongue, the Bible also talks a lot about lips and our mouth because they are all deeply engaged in speaking words. And let's see how significant the words are in our lives. John 1.1, the Son of God is called the Word. Hebrew 11.3, the universe was created with the Word. Hebrew 1.3, all things are held in existence by the Word. 1 Samuel 3.21, God revealed himself to us through the word. Matthew 8.16, Jesus healed and cast out demons with the word. Amen. Hebrew 3.13, faith is sustained by words. We fellowship with God by the words of prayer. We worship him through the the words of songs and confession and preaching. Our relationships are all sustained and nurtured by words. We speak our love to each other by words. Kings rise and fall by their words. Politics, news, entertainment, business, education, international relations, families, friendships, all these are possible because of the words. Amen? Words are very significant in our lives. And people speak every day. Average people, they speak 16,000 words. So when they're awake, every hour we speak 10,000 words out. Isn't that amazing? That's a lot. However, not many people know how our words operate in this spiritual realm. (laughs) From the passage that we just read earlier, James, the author, gives us insightful spiritual truth about speaking words. So we're going to look at those true spiritual truth tonight, okay? The first thing that I want to talk about tonight is this. Understand the power of words. Understand the power of words. Let's get this picture clear in our head right now. There is a fierce battlefield. Though invisible, you are there. And actually, the battlefield itself is in you. Your mind is the fierce battlefield. It's going on right at this moment. Our God on one side, he's fighting for us with his sword, sharper than double-edged sword. He is fighting, which is the word of God, with the word of God. And Satan on the other side, who is clever and making counterfeit things, and comes against God with his favorite weapon, which is the lies. Satan is the father of lies. This is the warfare of words. 
So God's words of life versus Satan's words of lies sound similar, but opposite. What they fight over at this battlefield is the people, the souls of men, especially the believers, all of us. Especially the believers, our mind is their favorite battlefield. The victory depends on who we listen to and one step further, what we actually speak out. The words we speak, it reflect what we listen to. How do babies learn a language? How do they speak? They start speaking, 엄마, 아빠, mommy, daddy, and they speak what they hear. Is that right? Okay. And in the same way, when the lies sound louder, people speak those lies out. They begin to speak those lies over themselves, over others, and giving just more credit to Satan's word. And on the other hand, when God's voice, it echoes louder, then people speak the truth, the word of God, out of their mouth, and they win the victory over the enemy. Do you see how this battle works? Do you see how we are standing at the battlefield, listening to many, many voices around us? And therefore, your words are like the mirror that reflects your condition of heart and condition of your mind. Every word that comes out of your mouth is a result of this fierce battle. It all went through this, and you actually picked something. The words that you speak indicate how you are doing in that battle. Are you losing or are you winning? Which voice are you listening to? Is it God's voice or Satan's voice? Your words are very, very powerful. And they consist of your identity as well, and even somebody else's identity. So if you grew up hearing the same words over and over again, like, you are stupid, like, you are ugly, it will become part of who you are and part of who you believe you are. And even one traumatic incident, somebody says something mean over to you, and that that incident can get those lies into someone's life forever. Forever. Our sister, Angela, <laughs> when she was young, this is her testimony right, right now, her relatives would call her Munnani, like the ugly one, ugly girl, or something like that. Munnani, Munnani, because they loved her for a long period of time. They just would call her Munnani, right? With no evil attention, uh, no evil intention or anything, but it affected her so much that it became a scar and bondage in her. Um, when they were having fun, picking on a cute niece, cute daughter, in the spiritual realm, something different was happening. It was hurting her soul, attacking her identity, and she actually started to believe it. And when the actual fact is her she is the masterpiece of God's creation. So Angela is really pretty, I think. She's really pretty. <laughs> so this is a good example. When you speak, you are actually agreeing and supporting what you heard from either side, from God or from Satan. You are just supporting it. And your words are very meaningful in that sense since they deliver the power in the spiritual realm. It shifts the power here and there. And James, 
the part that we just read, chapter 3, verse 3 and 4, it says, let me read it again. If we put bits into the mouths of the horses so that they obey us, we guide their whole bodies as well. Look at the ships also. Though they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they are guided by a very small rudder, wherever the will of the pilot directs. In the same sense, this small, even boneless tongue in our mouth, what it does is so powerful that it moves the spiritual realm. Our tongues can release blessings, it can release curses. We must understand how dangerous it is. And James, knowing that danger, wrote in verse 5 and 6 about how badly evil it could be when we have a tongue used by Satan. Gossip, slander, idolatry, pride, false teaching, adultery, false witness, sexual immorality, earthly boasting, speaking the Lord's name in vain, rebellion, flattery. Tongue can cause us to sin easily in numerous ways. Even keeping our tongue silent might be a sin. If we were supposed to speak in faith or repent of sins or worship the Lord with our voices, when we stay silent, that could be a sin. Where am I? Okay. (laughs) Sorry, guys. This destructive fire, James actually called it fire, which refers to tongue spreads to the whole body and the entire course of life. Matthew 15:11 it says that it is not what goes into the mouth that defiles a person, but what comes out of the mouth this defiles a person. And this fire, this is by the way not a good fire, it usually leaves us scars, curses and bondages behind. Okay, let me tell you a couple of personal stories that I recently had revelations on. It really spoke to me. So since Australia trip, I really felt strongly to uh, preach about this. So when I was around 10 years old, uh, my mom's friend had a baby boy. And then she came to visit us with him. So it was a little infant. And then as I, as the youngest of my whole family, my extended family, I was the youngest, Mangne, and never really had an opportunity to play with the baby before. Never. Though I adored him, though he was very good-looking, cute boy, I just didn't know what to do. So as I was sitting with him on my bed, just, he just sensed that awkwardness in me, and then he just read my face. I don't know what to do. What do you want kind of face? <laughs> And he just started crying. And then I just didn't know what to do. So and my, my, my mom came over to pick him up. And then he said to that Ajuma, to my mom's friend, 이상하제, 애들이 우리 명을 안 좋아한다. She speaks in Saturi. So meaning, it's strange. Babies just don't like my daughter, Myung-ha. Right? And from that day on, I'm not exaggerating. Seriously, I never touched or held or came near to infants ever for like 10 years because they wouldn't like me. I just trusted that. I remember saying to my friends, I like watching them, but I always make them cry. So I just don't, yeah. And that was my excuse. And that lie was always at the back of my head and spawned the fear of rejection. Babies can reject you. You know that? (laughs) And that lie (laughs) 
was always back in my head. I think I, I said this. And it didn't get removed until my first mission trip to Cambodia, like four years ago, where I had to be exposed to hundreds of kids, hundreds of the babies. So it just naturally got broken. But gradually, I'm realizing that the word that was spoken to me more than a decade ago by my mom still held much, much more power, much, so much power in my life, and it formed a bondage in my life. It took me over a decade to get over it. And I have a similar story with my fear of sports, fear of physical activity. I still don't know um, if I'm good at sports or bad. <laughs> I'm still discovering, because I even never, never even tried playing sports before, because I was so fearful. So I used to say to my friends also, my body's almost handicapped. I just would say that with smiles on my face. And just to over myself and almost like habitually, whenever I had to play something, I just said that. And as if it was a proven fact. And I never knew that it would affect my life so much. And it was blocking the full blessing of God in my life. And I'm still struggling. I'm struggling to break out of who I thought I was, the handicapped Myung-ha. So these stories sound silly, but this is the power of the word. And it's not too hard to find stories about people who willfully but carelessly spoke wrong words over their lives and about the scary consequences that they're facing right now. So I read a story of a woman who would say, having period is a curse on a woman's life. And then it turns out to be, she turns out to be a barren. And a woman who expressively hated her legs, I hate my legs, she would just say that when she was young, she ends up suffering from serious rheumatism, and she cannot walk. Are they just bad coincidences? Some of them might be, but remember, Satan's ears are open as well as God's ears. So we must, as Christians, remember and understand the power of the words. My second point that I want to drive out from this passage is this. We must strive to tame our tongue. Strive to tame your tongue. That's my second point. I've seen many, many Christians strive to be delivered by curses and bondages. I've also witnessed uh, many brothers and sisters be healed of their scars formed by words spoken over them when they were young, traumas. And praise the Lord, hallelujah, that their eyes are open to that spiritual reign and that they are being made whole. So hallelujah. But then, that's not it. And next weekend, a new Philly is having a healing and deliverance retreat. How many of you are excited for that? Okay, healing and deliverance retreat uh, for new class of leaders to reach that um, spiritual wholeness in their lives. So they will be delivered, they will be healed from the bondages, from the scars, but that's not the primary goal that we are holding. It is a step that they are taking so they will be able to set other people free. So our goal is to train up all the small group leaders so they can lead the healing and deliverance sessions in their own small groups. Isn't it exciting? If God, I think, calls you to New Philly, and if you are sticking around well, I believe that you are a leader or a future leader. 
and mighty warrior or a future mighty warrior. Amen? <laughs> I think it's just a matter of the timing. If you are here, God's mighty call is upon your life. And uh, James wrote in verse 1 and 2, let me read it again. Not many of you should become teachers, my brothers, for you know that we who teach will be judged with greater strictness. For we all stumble in many ways. And if anyone does not stumble in what he says, he is a perfect man, able also to bridle his whole body. Do you remember that uh, the teacher was one of the fivefold ministry offices in uh, New Testament churches? So this was a leadership position in New Testament churches. Jesus, he also was called rabbi, which means teacher. And people were warned about being teachers by James right here because there will be judgment with great, greater strictness. Oh, scary. And do you understand why there is a greater strictness? Because it's their tongue that teaches about God to people and it's the same tongue that makes other people stumble. So what good is that when a teacher teaches about forgiveness all the time, but he speaks up bitterness all the time? Does that make sense? And in the same way, what good is that when you can finally lead healing and deliverances, but you are scarring, you are hurting other people with your own words without knowing? What good is that? You are delivering people from the bondages. At the same time, you are forming those bondages in their lives. There cannot be double standard. That's why there is a greater strictness. And before you say that, wow, I'm glad that I'm not a teacher. Check this out. Is there any leadership position that doesn't include any authoritative speaking or teaching element? Small group leaders, Bible study teachers, ministry team leaders, pastors, apostles, deacons, elders, and even Bible school teachers, Sunday Bible school teachers. They all teach, they even rebuke, they use the words, authoritative words. Even though there are certain people got ordained with the office of teaching or gift of teaching, generally teaching is just what Jesus did and obviously what Christians do. We are all teachers. Therefore, the same warning of James goes to every believer, every one of us sitting here, but especially to those who are in any kind of leadership position at church. Leaders, your words have more authority, more impact. Your words can have big influence over somebody's life in a good or a bad way. Yes, God puts higher standard over leaders. That's just the fact. There is greater judgment waiting for us since they are accountable for more regarding what they teach and what they speak. And turn to your neighbor, even though it's scary, let's say this in confidence, we better tame our tongues. We better tame our tongues. Okay, say it. Everyone, say it. <laughs> we better tame our tongues. Okay, and I will continue to read. The first seven and eight, it says this. 
For every kind of beast and bird, or reptile and sea creature can be tamed and has been tamed by mankind, but no human being can tame the tongue. Oh. James, he emphasized the fact that it is impossible to tame our tongues. Isn't it discouraging somewhat? <laughs> If I could add one verse, one line in the Bible, which is impossible by the way, I will add this line. This was my second point. Still strive to tame your tongue. Still strive to tame your tongue. There is a verse that always shocks me in Bible, and it goes like this. Matthew chapter 5, 48. You, therefore, must be perfect, as your heavenly Father is perfect. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> Lord, do you think that it's possible, you know? Do you think that it's possible to be perfect like Jesus Christ before we die? Is it possible? I do not think so. There's a long way to go. I don't think it's going to happen before I die. Whoa. But do you agree that we still need to seek to become more and more like him every day? Do you agree? Let me, let me hear amen if you agree. Amen. Yes. Yes, that must be something that we must pursue. And in the same way, can we tame our tongues? I do not think so. James kindly told me that it is impossible. <laughs> Yet, God still, he called us to strive to have more control over our tongue, tongues day by day, little by little. That is possible. And there is a saint in the history who is dearly loved by the church. Everyone loves this guy, whose name is King David. I love him. He The great man of God went through the same struggle that we are having right now, before us, ahead of time. How encouraging is that? He was a wonderful man of God, and he went through the same struggle. He wrote in Psalm 141, verse 3, uh, Set a guard, O Lord, over my mouth. Keep watch over the door of my lips. I think this prayer um, is worthy to be part of our daily prayers. Until we die, for the lifetime. This verse is Psalm 141, verse 3. And taming tongues is something that will take us more than a lifetime. More than a lifetime. It's going to take forever. Yet, I think it's something we must not give up on. We've got to strive to tame our tongues. As I was spending more time on James 3, I just had this quick revelation of why James was so sure about this fact. He was just so sure that it's impossible. And I was wondering why. And then James was actually Jesus' brother, right? And then they grew up together. Can you imagine that, growing up with a guy like Jesus? Unlike other siblings that fight every other minute, I'm pretty sure that James never saw Jesus sinned with his word because he was sinless, right? Can you imagine James, simple man, and son of God, Jesus, growing up together? Wouldn't it be stressful? Wouldn't James be jealous? You know? And Jesus must have been such a good kid, right? And James, he must have been the one who always said, like, bad stuff, mean stuff. And then Jesus just stands there, with a big smile on his face. 
you know, <laughs> how stressful would that be? I can't even imagine. <laughs> Poor James. And James, <laughs> he probably had plenty of conversations with them growing up together. And Jesus, who never reacts in anger or sinful nature, James just, you know, who's this guy? And James, he grew up in the same house. They're under the same parents. Same education, probably, maybe the same school, and eating the same food every day. Yet, James himself failed to tame his tongue when Jesus Christ never sinned in his words. I think that's the reason why James is just so sure that it is this divine thing. Human being, even though I grew up with them, I just couldn't. I think that's why James was so sure, so, so sure that it's only possible to son of God. And Jesus never sinned with his tongue. And however, our Lord Jesus, he got arrested. And one day, he stood at the court. And facing the painful and shameful death of cross, standing before, he stayed silent. He could have just worked a miracle right there through his words. You know, Lord, do something and, you know, it could be just done. But he just stayed silent so that we could be redeemed from the sins of our tongues. Because he stayed silent, the sins of our tongues were redeemed. He took the penalty for all the evil words, empty words, careless words, unloving words that we spoke. And it's now gone. It's all redeemed. He truly restored the dominion over the power of the words through his resurrection. And not only that, now we can break the curse, cancel the demonic power of words in the name of Jesus Christ by the power of his resurrection. Repeat after me, guys. I cancel cancel all the demonic things things spoken over my life In the name of Jesus Christ. Christ. Hallelujah. In the name of Jesus Christ. Christ. We restored. We have gotten back the dominion over the words. Hallelujah. And because he stayed silent in that moment, now we can say this with such boldness. Jesus, your name is with us. It's our power. And my third point is pretty short. Um, Third point Choose to bless. Choose to bless. And let me read the verse 9 through 12 again. With it, bless our Lord and Father, and with it, we curse people who are made in the likeness of God. From the same mouth comes blessing and cursing. My brothers, these things are not to be so. Does a spring pour forth from the same opening both fresh and salt water? Can a fig tree, my brothers, bear olives, or a grapevine produce figs? Neither can a salt pond yield fresh water. Amen. When I went to Australia, we ministered at this church retreat, the New Life Church. I miss New Life. Hello there. (laughs) 
Anyways, Erin Samo led a seminar on unforgiveness. It was such a wonderful time, powerful time. And I ended up being in a group with three other sisters from Sydney and Melbourne. And it was divine because all three of them, even though it was random, had unforgiving heart toward their ex-boyfriends and very similar issues. And as I listened to their stories, one sister's story just really, really shocked me. She was in a relationship with this guy for six years. And he started cheating on, cheating on her. Yeah. And it was a little shady, so it, they broke up and then got back together and things like that. So long story short, they broke up after six years of dating. And it tormented her so much. And just finally, after all those years of unforgiveness, they just broke up. And then... Uh, she, uh, she was desperately broken and hungry for God. So she clung to him in prayers, like 24-7. She prayed a lot. And the prayers were scary stuff. Okay, She, not knowing much about the blessing or curse, prayed like this. Lord, show him judgment. Judge him. He hurt me, judge him, literally. And let him feel the same pain that I'm going through right now. I want him to suffer, God just like me. That was her prayer in desperation. So along that line, it could be a little different. But <laughs> and the scary part actually was, after a while, the ex-boyfriend actually got into a big car accident. And she was kind of shook up. You know? She was like, what is this? But then, yet on the other hand, she just thought that, oh, maybe God is really answering my prayers. Isn't it scary? And the other two sisters, they weren't much different. Just They were doing the same thing. And so I told them about the power of blessing and a curse. And we canceled the words that they prayed to God, and we nullified it. And then they repented, they renounced, and we blessed all three ex-boyfriends on the spot. And then we asked that God, as we show grace, as we show pour blessings over their lives. Lord, you bless us more. That was our prayer that day. And then God tremendously blessed them through the retreat. The bondages were broken, and God just did amazing things in their lives. And King David, he wrote this in Psalm 1914. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. And NIV translation says, pleasing in your sight pleasing in your sight. What kind of prayers are we speaking to the Lord today? Are we praying the prayers of blessing or the prayers of curse? When God created us, tongue was made to worship him, to praise him. Let only the things that can be worshipped come out of our mouth. Amen? And only the things acceptable and pleasing in the sight of the Lord those things, let those things come out of our mouth and choose to bless, choose to encourage, choose to praise, choose to speak truth in love and choose to pray blessings over yourself and over the people. And we are called to humble ourselves and pray. Humble ourselves and pray. And we are also called to do everything in love. Do everything in love. Our prayers must be like that. Lord, why is it like that? 
fix him, change him, do something to him. That is not the prayers of love. These words are not honoring how God made that person and how God is working in that person's life. There's no honor to the Lord. Lord, forgive me that I'm feeling frustrated right now by my brother. Bless him with more maturity and character of you, God. I bless and support your work that you are doing in him. I was hurt by this action today, be honest, and I forgive him, Lord. I ask for more mercy, and I ask you to lead him from glory to glory. This prayer is made in love and humility. And God did not curse us at our fault, but he blessed us even more with his grace. So when we pray, we must show more grace. We have to bless our brothers and sisters and ourselves with our prayers. And let us be the church that blesses the name of the Lord and each other with our words, with our tongues. Amen?